Hey, I'm Jim Woods, and welcome to the Finish Your Book Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by StoryCrafting.net. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. I am thrilled to be with Michael Laurent. He is an author of 40 books. I know it blew me away. Michael, thank you so much for being with me. Hey, Jim. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you because you have written more books than my brain can fathom right now. (laughs) You've been there. You've done that. And I just, I can't wait to learn from you and just get your insights and wisdom. And I really would like to talk a little bit about your drafting process because that's a lot of books. And you obviously have something working right. You're doing something really well. And I want to try to, you know, get, get some of that insight and wisdom from you here. Um, what is your overall approach when you're like, okay, I've got an idea for a book. How do you get that onto the page? How, sure. What's your approach like? Yeah. So I, I guess I will start by going a little woo-woo and philosophical for you for a minute. Feel so. free. In, in 2012, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes. So in 2012, um, my wife and I were out on a nice dinner and um, ate some food and all was good. And then that later that night, I fell ill with food poisoning and didn't think much of it, and, but actually ended up in the hospital for a month. Wow. <laughs> and so uh, up until that point, I you know, I'd wanted to be a writer and I, I'd never really done much with it. I'd started a few things, started a few things here, couldn't finish anything there and just didn't quite work out for me. And being on a hospital bed and nearly dying because I, I, what I had ended up turning into a more life-threatening illness or life-threatening situation really got me to rethink my life and rethink my priorities. And so I swore on that hospital bed that I would bend the universe around me and be a writer no matter what. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> so I, I, I jumped into publishing, jumped into self-publishing, decided to take my own career into my own hands. And I honestly think, Jim, as like a preface to your question, that is the, the thing that, that drives me. And that that keeps mindset, me. sure. It, it's a mindset. I don't think that I would have been able to be as prolific or be able to really come up with ideas for stories as rapidly as I do if I hadn't had that experience. So what I would say in terms of how I approach things, I can talk about a couple of different things today. Um, one of the things that I do, how I come up with an idea. So I, I kind of take a different approach to this. So I think about, think about your writer's mind as a plant. And this is a weird analogy, but just, just stick with me here. So a plant needs water, sunlight, and, and soil, right? Mm-hmm. So the first part of that is the, the soil. So just making sure that your mind is correct because a plant can't grow in bad soil. When you think about water, I think about ideas. So one of the things that I always did growing up is I carried around notebooks Mm -hmm. and I would write down in the notebooks anytime I had an idea and I, you know, had filled 10, 15 notebooks just full of different ideas, little bits and pieces, you know, Mm -hmm. I I always use that. Now I use Evernote. So anytime I come across a situation where, Hey, I, was an interesting guy that just passed me on the street or the lady that passed me had a really interesting necklace on that would look really cool in a story if I could describe that right or if I'm on a vacation and I'm in an interesting spot how would I write this is a question that I ask myself a lot almost too much (laughs) to the point where it frustrates my wife (laughs) because I'm usually always got my head in my phone and I'm thumbing notes into my phone and all that but the the result of that though is that I've captured hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of potential material that can end up in a novel. So 
that that starts with story ideas, but it also it's also like little stuff, like maybe like a scar on the villain's forehead, or, or maybe some backstory that I met from someone that could be really cool on a villain. And so I have that to fall back on in the event that I'm actually writing a story and I don't know where to go next. I can just pull that up, pick a random page, type it into my story, and move on. Right? Yeah. And so that's the that's the the water piece. You have to continuously water a plant. You can't okay. water it too much, but you can't water it too little. Right. And then the third piece of that is exposure. So I'm always making sure that I get myself out and about from my writing desk, going to different places that I've never been before and just people watching. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've really taken it upon myself to become a student of people and a student of places and learning how to write those and capture those on the page using the five senses. Uh-huh. So using all those five senses to describe them so that when I'm ready to write my story, I've got ideas from the macro level that I can pull from my notebook or pull from my mind. And then I've got ideas from the the micro level that I can pull from that little sketchbook that I have as well. And that keeps me going. Right. So I usually never have any problem coming up with big story ideas, Uh but every once in a while when I'm writing, I I get stuck, right. We all get stuck in the murky middle, (laughs) you know? So, so what do you do? And and, and so that I I think is is an important element. So that, that exposure piece. Mm-hmm. Just making sure that you're constantly exposing yourself to new things so that you can give your writer mind that ability to grow. And to me, that has been the foundation of my career. And I think that's one of the reasons I've been able to be so prolific. So a lot of it's mindset. I love, absolutely love your analogy with a plant. I've actually used the exact same analogy. Um, <laughs> I, really have, I, I, like, I would refer to your little ideas as like, you know, seeds. And obviously you need the, you know, the, the water, the watering and the, you know, the maintenance and, you know, taking the weeds away and all those things. And I just absolutely love that. And it's so visual. And it's like, you know, you come back and guess what? That plant's grown just a little bit from that work you did on it, from that, you know, hour, from that 15 minutes, from those, you know, those three hours where you only have a little bit to show, but you're putting the time in. So I think that's really awesome. Now, you have your, your kind of your story ideas. You're absolutely a student of people, of learning, of experiences. What about, how do you apply that though when you get to the page, when you're facing that blinking cursor? Yep. So the first thing I think about is, again, describing what's going on in the five senses. So that is a guiding light that you can never, ever go wrong with. And you think about the character, you think about, okay, what is, what is this character thinking right now about this situation that they're in? So most people listening to this will probably be familiar with like an inciting incident. Sure. So if you have an idea of what that inciting incident is, think micro focus. So what is in that character's head at that point in time? Write that down as your emotion. And then describe the setting, describe other people using the five senses and and you don't need very much. A little bit will take you very far, you know, and if you can do that, that will help you with that blinking cursor because at least when you, at least when you get that blank page, you know, at least what the next steps are and what to write. That's fantastic. Um, Using your five senses is almost like a radar or sonar and you're kind of guiding yourself. Um, That's a fantastic starting point. Once you're into your story. I know you're not a big planner. I know you're a a person that a lot of people would call pantser because you're not big on outlining, at least in the early beginning stages. 
what's guiding your character? Is it this, I guess, obviously you have this five senses. Is that really what's guiding your character the most? Um, what if you're not too familiar with the character? Are you just going to the very basic level and just kind of going from there? It, it's, it's, it's kind of like using your subconscious, right? Okay. So the way I've always described it is I used to start outlining and then I just got so tired of outlining because I found that I wasn't following my outline 99% of the time. So it's like, if I'm going to spend all this time doing a fancy outline, why, and I'm not going to follow it, why am I going to use it? And why so waste your time? Yeah. The hard part, I think here with pantsing, and I think this is the number one issue that pantsers have to think about mm-hmm. and that they have to deal with. It again goes back to mindset. I know some people don't like to hear that, but really at the end of the day, pantsing is about fear and it's about eliminating your fear. Because if you're afraid and and you feel like you're not confident or I don't know that I could write about about this character, I don't, I don't know what happens if I get stuck or what happens if I write myself into a circle or what if I've wasted words, all that stuff, you have to just be able to push past the fear and trust your subconscious and trust that your, your mind and, and God or whatever you want to call it, your muse muse, is going to help you get through that. And that takes a level of courage and confidence that a lot of people don't have in the beginning of their career. And so the number one quintessential book that I would recommend here is Writing Into the Dark by Dean Wesley Smith. Now, this is a book that I had to read two or three times. I've got it. Yeah, you got it. I actually, funny, I have my copy too. <laughs> so, I believe your video, one of your videos was the first that referred me to it because it's just, it's a different mindset. It is. It's a it's little, a- little backwards compared to what you often see and I think for a lot of people, it's a discovery process. Um, and I think the great thing about you, Michael, is you're like, hey, look, there's a lot of ways to make a cake. Here are some of the common ingredients. And the more authors I've spoken with, it's a lot are pantsers. A yeah. lot are. And it's not like you just absolutely have to outline um, before. Um but I, I guess we should, uh, let me backtrack a minute and just uh, let's talk a little bit more about your process. But like, I don't think there's any one specific way. It's a creative process. So uh, yeah, I'll but, let you go back to where you were. Yeah, no problem. And, and, and there's so many different ways to write. There, it, there are no rules. Like a lot of people, they come into this business and into the industry and they want rules and they want shortcuts and they want guidance and they want step-by-step yeah. rules of what they need to follow. And the beauty of this writing business is that there are no rules. <laughs> that means that you can do whatever the heck you want. And what ultimately matters is how well you're able to keep your reader's attention. That's why you can look at the mega bestsellers like Stephen King yep. and Nora Roberts and Dean Koontz. They all have totally different writing styles, but they all manage to keep their reader's attention and, and hold them in the story. That's a benefit, not a disadvantage, right? And so okay. I, the main premise of writing into the dark is that writing in its most purest and engaging form uh-huh. can only happen when you learn to listen to your creative voice or your subconscious and ignore your fear, push through your fear, stop letting that critic talk to right. you. When that you're, inner you're critic. He loves to that tell inner, you. That inner critic. Yeah. Yep. So, so stop letting them talk to you and just focus on getting that next word onto the page. Um, I was in a training once and, and they gave an example of Marines and mm-hmm. how Marines, they put them through the most excruciating, difficult training possible, yes. right? That's why they're Marines. And yeah. in the training, they teach them something called micro-focus. So you're crawling through the mud, and your body's broken. I mean, you're just tired, and you're exhausted. They teach them, you focus on taking the next step. 
Don't focus on how you're going to get across the, the field. Just take that next step, that micro focus, right? So when you're thinking about writing your novel and you don't know what to write next, just write the next word, write that next sentence. And it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward, but eventually you'll be able to break through your blocks. That's really good. That micro step. And I think it's so easy. Again, that fear component wants to scream and bark at you that Mm -hmm. one sentence isn't enough. No, no, no. You're going to get lost later. Well, the truth is if you're writing fiction, you're going to get lost. It's going to happen. But here's the great news. I've learned this and I'm sure you could tell me a million other examples. A lot of times it's not really getting lost. It might be something that you use later in another story or you're learning more about your character and you'll hit the brakes and say, wait, that character wouldn't do that. That I made a mistake here. I, I wasn't yeah. thinking like my character. And it, it usually just jumps at you. Your gut might bark and you'd be like, ooh, that, that, no wonder that character doesn't do that. Why? I, I wasn't treat a character. So I, I think a lot of this getting lost kind of fear it's it's like it's really perfectionism in disguise you can't aim for perfection on that first draft right no perfection is the enemy of done i know that's a trite cliche that is being bandied about on the internet but it's so true and you know one of the things that you love i I love that that you just mentioned was this act of discovery so writing as an exploration you know for me writing is I'm going to get philosophical again, but writing to me is almost as sacred as prayer, right? I mean, you're, 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 you're by yourself. You're, you're thinking about the story. And and in many ways, I I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to this. I mean, sometimes when you're writing, it's really not you writing. You're just, you're just in this constant state of flow and it's the most amazing thing. And and you look back on it and it's like, wow, I actually wrote that. I don't, I don't know how I could have come up with that idea. (laughs) That wasn't me. That, that was, that was my cousin, Jimmy. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's the most amazing feeling. And the more you can replicate that, the better your writing's going to be. Because I found that those sections and those chapters where I was in that state of flow tend to be the chapters that my readers like the most and yeah. remember the most. Yeah, you're fully immersed in the story. It's not you thinking. It's your characters doing the things. And and they're in character, which is always really nice when your characters are acting appropriately, right? Exactly. Oh. And another tip I'll, I'll give your, your, yeah, please. your viewers and your listeners is when you're thinking about that, those five senses, mm-hmm. focus on your character. So your five senses through the eyes and ears and, and senses of your character, always never lose focus of that. You know? So if you're, if you're thinking about how to describe something, Describe it in a way that the character might see it and then tie an emotion to that. So an example that I like to use is take the sentence, the rain fell in drenching sheets against the corrugated roof. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's a line out of, I think, uh, Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. So the rain fell in drenching sheets against the corrugated roof. So the point of view characters from, I believe it's a a doctor that's in Costa Rica who's never been there before and is on there, you know, helping people. And, you know, this rain is just torrential and Mm -hmm. something really bad is about to happen. Somebody's going to get eaten by a raptor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somebody's going to get eaten by a raptor. And so you think about that. and, And so you think about the word drenching sheets. That says a great deal of emotion about how that character is going to be feeling about being in that situation, right? So you could say rain. It's not necessarily going to help. And so if you think about corrugated, that's a texture. 
corrugated yes. roof. So yes. you think, you know, you think rust or you think a certain texture. Yep. And so you've got, you've got the sound of rain, you've got uh, this, these great textures going on, and then you've got emotion tied to them. That's how you write engaging fiction, is you engage the reader's senses through, through the, the viewpoint of that character. That's fantastic. It makes me think of a, a book, a story that was even very, uh, very important to me was The Fall of the House, House of Usher. Yeah. Poe. And there's like this gloomy, dread-filled feeling that's just all throughout the whole story. And it's so important to have those tones and um, how you really just set that theme as well. And just to think, okay, how is the character feeling? What mm-hmm. are they seeing? You know, what are they smelling? All the senses. Um, once you've written, I, now I guess, let me, let me backtrack one sec. Do you typically write like a scene or a chapter or a set amount of time when you're, when you're writing a, a novel? Yeah, I, I, I will typically write my novel straight through. So like bang straight through chapter one through the end. And okay. um, what I do is I, I felt, again, this writing into the dark method is, is I follow a technique called looping. So okay. usually, you know, what Dean recommends in the book is every 500 words, you stop and you go back to what you previously wrote. 500 words ago, and then you review it and you just make sure there's no typos or errors and that everything is consistent. And then you start on again, and then you loop back and you start again, you loop back. I don't do 500 words. I tend to do every chapter. Um, That just tends to work a little bit better for me. Um, But that's, I think that's a pretty effective way to do it. Um, And then also outlining as you go um, is another tip that I would give pantsers um, from writing into the dark. And, it, and basically, you're just keeping track of your details as you go instead of coming up with them at the beginning. So that helps you stay organized and it helps you keep your details straight. So if a character's eyes are blue in chapter one and then they're red in chapter seven, well, you got a problem. <laughs> Unless there's a really good explanation for the change. Right, something you know, happened. It, exactly. So that's an easy way to keep track of those details. Do you typically have a notepad? How do you keep that track? How do you keep track of those different changes when you're going through? Because you're typing on your computer, right? Your word processor. How how are you keeping track of those kind of details? I keep track of them in Scrivener. So Scrivener is the premier writing app for fiction writers. Well, for all writers, really. But one of the benefits of Scrivener is that you can have different documents and you can organize them differently. And so what I do is I use the split screen mode. So as I'm writing my novel, I'll have uh, the novel up on the top, and then I'll have the outline document on the bottom. And then as I go, I'll just type, and then I'll nice. put, in the doc- put in the details as I go so I don't have to worry That's about great. it. That's really cool. And then it's so much more organized. I'm so visual. I'm thinking, okay, now is he writing this down? Or, you know, I'm thinking, is he note cards? Or, you know, there's so many approaches. And obviously, there you are. really do have to find what works well for you. But I love that, that where it's so visual for you, it's like writing here, notes right here next to it keeps your you know it keeps you right on track it's like your kind of your guideline your map in a sense and with your looping is that essentially editing as well or is that just review or what would you really call about that the looping you mentioned it's a mixture of both you know so so part of it is editing and and making sure that you're catching typos and grammatical errors a lot of times you're going to still miss those things anyway. That's why you still need a professional editor when you're yeah. going through your books. But it, th- there are errors that you can catch. Maybe you made a mistake, you missed a period, that sort of thing. But really, it's also, okay, is what I just wrote consistent with what I wrote before it? 
Right. You know, because I think the ultimate key as a pantser is you want to be consistent because I think it's really easy to start the novel in one direction. And then as you go, it goes in a different direction. And next thing you know, you've got two halves that don't match. Right. <laughs> so keeping no, that consistency that's is true. That's the truth. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you're writing straight through. Is that literally like you start during the weekend and you're just going at it and you don't quit? Is that pretty much what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I hammer I hammer it out. So I shouldn't say I hammer it out, but I hammer through it. You hammer right? through so it. So I start from the beginning and I, and I move on. So, you know, I have it, – it, it's kind of funny because, you know, for me – I've, I've managed to write all of the novels and books that I've written mm-hmm. without being a full-time writer. So I am not a full-time writer. Actually, during the day, I, I fight crime in the insurance industry. Oh, so, wow. You know, next best thing, close to Superman. It <laughs> no, is no, pretty close. Kidding. It's not that exciting. No. <laughs> so I, I, I'm a, a manager at a Fortune 100 insurance company. Okay. And um, awesome. I also attend law school classes in the evening. So wow, and your YouTube channel, and I have a YouTube channel, and, and I have a blog, and yeah, wow. podcast, two different podcasts. So um, I keep myself busy, right? And so for clearly, me, clearly, it's really easy to say, "Oh, I don't want to write." So yeah. I do a lot of my writing on my phone these days, which is okay. kind of hard for some people to wrap their head around, but it, it is is possible. I do do that, um, and so that helps me keep the momentum because I think momentum is another important piece, particularly if you're pantsing. Because if you, if, if you it's don't, it's all know tied together, right? And it's you're all tied together. All here, Michael, in this just in this one interview, but it's all completely tied together. Yeah, and I've, I've kind of said, well, you might have one main problem, and I think in many cases it is a momentum problem. So yeah. let's dive into that for a second. You're doing so much. You have a lot on your schedule, clearly, and you're doing so much. How are you're using your phone to keep momentum because you know that some writing is always better than no writing. Yes. And even if it's five minutes, three minutes, whatever, you know that that's going to help you stay in your story. It's going to help, you know, help that plant grow, I guess, going back to our earlier analogy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to continue to, you know, see the fruits of your labor if you keep working on it versus kind of letting up. So how do I, have you come across points where you're just like, Ooh, I, I can't keep up with this. I, this is not, I need a break. Has there been points where you've just, you've lost momentum and you've had to kind of come back and be like, okay, this is different. How do I get momentum back? Yeah, it's easy to lose momentum when you've got a lifestyle like mine. I mean, there's some days where I intend to write and it doesn't happen, you know, and, and that's okay. I think a lot of people beat themselves up because they can't write one day and you can't do that because if you do that, then you're just, you're just reinforcing negative behavior, you know, and, yeah. and so one of the things that I can offer two things to you. So yeah. one of the things that I've, I've done is, like I said, I like to write on my phone. So mm-hmm. I set micro goals for myself. So on those days where I know things are crazy or I've got a busy day at work or I'm traveling, mm-hmm. I set very low goals for myself. So like a hundred words a day, right? Cause you can easily write a hundred words on your phone. And when you do that, you feel like you've accomplished something. Yes. And so yes. then you, then you end up writing 200 and then you end up writing 500. Then you have your best day ever on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's a really important thing that, that has worked for me. 
Uh-huh. And the reason I've learned to write on my phone is because of necessity. So I don't do all of right. my writing. It's with on my you. Phone. Makes sense. Yeah. It's with me. Yeah. And another thing I'll say is, so the example I like to give is that my wife loves to shop. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do all my shopping on Amazon. You're like, <laughs> but tap, tap, save some time. Tap, it comes to my doorstep in two days. Right. I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but my wife likes to go through every rack at the department store on occasion. Mm-hmm. And when she's doing that, I will usually find a, a couch at the department store, right. pull out my phone, and I can get 100 words, 200 words, maybe a chapter written in that session while I'm sitting right. on the phone. And then you've just kept your momentum. So I've always approached it as, when can I find time to write? You know, I have some downtime. So can I use this to write yeah. one or two sentences? You know, yeah. and you'd be amazed how much that adds up over a year, two years. Because you keep going. Yeah. And, and I guess another way I find time to fit things in, because I imagine a lot of people are probably curious about this, is I wake up at 530 every morning. Right. I wake up really early. My wife and, and daughter are asleep. Mm-hmm. And so I, I write for about an hour and a half, sometimes two. And then I go to work work throughout the day. Um, don't get much downtime to, to do anything on, on my phone. And then after that, I've got time with my family when I get home. Um, and then on the weekends, usually we're running around doing all kinds of stuff. And so right. that's phone really helps with that. And so yeah. I found that that momentum, it's easier to keep. And it's, it's easier also to pick up where you left off too. That's fantastic. I love it. I've done the phone. It absolutely does work. Um, and it's, it's really a case where, you know, necessity is the mother of invention here. Yeah. And you know what? You can be on Facebook, you can be watching YouTube, or you could be writing. And it sounds to me like you really develop that discipline muscle, Michael, where you're kind of like, look, I have a lot of stories. I want to get them told. I want them, I want other people to enjoy these stories. And it's, I think like, I can just tell that you have this like, I almost want to say quiet intensity that is, is probably very much discipline and it's, it's passionate. It's like, it's, it's inspiring and it's even spreading toward me. I'm like, yeah, I need to use my phone better, you know, versus, you know, YouTube or Instagram and all the other things. And there's no, nothing wrong with those, but do the writing first is what I'm telling myself. Do the writing first and then, you know, dinner before dessert. Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And, you know, I, and I, I, I talk a lot about this and I've really built a, a platform and talking about productivity and all this stuff. And, um, you know, I've written a book called Be a Writing Machine where I go into all this stuff in greater detail. And I've got a YouTube channel called Author Level Up where I, I talk about many of these strategies on a, on a weekly basis. And so um, it's fun. You know, like I said, it, comes, it goes back to that day in 2012 when I swore on that hospital bed that I would, I would be successful as a writer no matter how long it took. And um, it's really just a battle of attrition. You know, you just, you keep on doing it every day. You just refuse to fail. And like I said, you'll be amazed at at what you can accomplish. When you're like writing this many books, you've been there, done that. What would you say to someone as they're like, you know, they have a, a part of a manuscript on their computer and they haven't touched it in a while. And, you know, there is that fear there. They're not even sure what is exactly there. I think many writers have been there and it's like, well, I have this and maybe I should just go start something new or maybe I should go back. How would, how would, what would you tell them? I mean, obviously they want to finish their book, but what would you tell them? What would you say that would encourage them? Sometimes there's nothing you can say that will encourage them. At the end of the day, you have to be the one to own your, your career. You have to be the one to own your success. I know it's tough love. It is. <laughs> but you that have, is really you have tough, to own it. Oh, no one else is going to do it. You've got to do it. 
right? And so if you're going to do it, just be prepared for the emotional roller coaster, you know, and there's really, there's no magic potion or an elixir that you can drink to, to get through it. But I can promise you that once you finish your first book, writing that next one is a, a lot easier. It's kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about this, but people say, you know, making your first million is harder than <laughs> making your second million, you know, right. there's just something about it. You've got the muscle memory, you've, right. like, you've put in the time and you've, you've laid that foundation. It just gets easier and easier and easier. The mental struggle doesn't get any easier, but the act and the, and the repetition and just the comfort level that you have with, with committing words to the page gets easier. And that's, that's the most important thing. Once you know you've done it once, you can say, look, fear, I already did it. I've already crossed the finish line. And you Take can, a walk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tell it to go away. And you're like, hey, I can keep moving on. I can keep doing this versus, you know, will the big, I guess the big question that I, where I'm kind of dancing around is, can I finish? Can I finish? I think mm-hmm. most writers have that. And it's like you're it's it fluctuates with your emotions and it yeah. sounds to me like you're kind of at the point where you're like look emotions you can, you're fine and dandy you're one of the five senses and you know but go away right now i've got words to put on the page is that pretty accurate no i still think every novel can i finish this do you if that might surprise you um, yeah I, I wish that i could completely eliminate my critical voice or my inner critic i can't oh. i don't know anyone that can I think that every novel I write, it's always a struggle of, okay, good Lord, I'm 70% of the way through this book and I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Might this be the time when I fail? <laughs> you know, and I think about that all the time and, and I've only ever not finished one book and it wasn't because I couldn't do it. It was because there were some other reasons I decided not to write right. it. Right. It was personal uh, reasons and it was personal reasons. Yeah, it was, and, it was very, very justified. It wasn't a fear thing it was like this is bad this could be interpreted in poor taste or something exactly exactly that's the only time i've ever given up on something and so i I think at the end of the day how scrappy are you you know if you're in a street fight and you're backed up against a corner and and all you've got is your fists and somebody's also got a knife and they're coming at you how are you going to do it i know it's a little bit of a violent (laughs) a violent uh (laughs) analogy there but sometimes that's what it feels like right and and writers we have this way of, of, of turning writing into a struggle. It's got to be complicated. It's got to be, you know, this really difficult battle. I don't think that that's the case. I, I, I think that's a bunch of baloney. Mm. But if you're thinking about yourself struggling against yourself, I do think that that sometimes can be a battle. And I do think that sometimes you have to be willing to wrestle against all those emotions and all those sometimes people that are in your ear saying you should write this or you can't be successful, right. you know, and, um, that takes a level of patience and, and courage that honestly, I, I, I can't say that I've mastered, but you just have to, you get better keep at it. Working at it. It's like exercise. Yeah. 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 Keep working on it. Exactly. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. No, thank you, Jim. It's my pleasure. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the finish your book podcast. If you'd like some help with your book, whether you're starting or finishing or no matter where you are right now, you can go to storycrafting.net slash finish. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.